Good morning. You're listening to Have You Met John? He's my dad. My name's Matt, and that guy over there on the other side of the screen that you can't see, but you can hear his name. John. He's my dad. Please leave a message at the tone. Boop. So, today, we're talking politics, like always. We're talking specifically about coronavirus, which is a very broad topic, and we could get uh, all sorts of shenanigans. What, uh, do we have any opening thoughts? Do we have a thesis statement? Oh, okay. You want me to give the give the thesis this time? I guess um, people will figure out pretty quick which lean we have. We don't even need to say it. Yeah. Um, COVID-19 is uh, a perfect storm. Uh, it's a perfect storm of politics and hysteria and the madness of crowds. Um so, and the inability or unwillingness of people to admit when they're wrong. <laughs> Are you, did you say that for my benefit? No. Or you think the okay. Well, from, from my side, COVID-19 is a perfect example of what happens when you get rid of and stop paying for experts and when you absolutely destroy public trust. Oh, we agree on that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, on the no public trust thing. I'm sh- I'm sure we'll get up to more, but um, probably in different ways. But yeah, uh, yeah. I was I was looking I was looking into this a little bit this morning, and you know, trying to remember everything that happened. And I do remember, um, just. Budget budget cuts to pandemic teams and the CDC and all of these things and tightly controlling them and telling them what they could say and what they couldn't say and that's um, completely irrelevant. Whatever, dude. I'm I'm laying down my case. You get you I get know. a chance to lay down yours whenever you want. Okay. But uh, my thesis statement is: if you, for the sake of money cut budgets to services like pandemic response teams and whatnot um, and replace them with lower budget alternatives, you are inevitably going to get wrong answers. You're going to get less effective answers. You're going to get confusing answers. And that is going to do nothing, especially in the response to an actual pandemic, to gain the public trust. It's going to cause a lot of people to actively oppose whatever advice they are given. And it's going to cause a lot of struggle between groups that choose and choose not to heed that advice. All right. Your turn. We gotta we gotta keep the airwaves alive over here, you know. All right. Well, <laughs> when when this thing okay, first off, let's let's begin with where it came from. I am amazed that on a bipartisan basis there's not more interest in figuring out how this uh, this virus came to be. Because as, as far as I can understand, this is a bat coronavirus that was not transmissible to humans that probably underwent gain-of-function research in the Wuhan Institute of Virology that appears to have been at least partially funded by the United States 
Um, and in the process of doing that, whether by intention or accident, it suddenly became transmissible to humans. Uh, and then it presumably accidentally leaked from the lab. So in the face of millions of deaths around the world, I would think that everyone would be extremely interested in tracking down the people who were in charge of making that happen and at least asking them the questions, why did you do that? What is your purpose? Why do you want to mess around with a virus and the, the, the research that you're doing at least either was intended to or could result in uh, a change in the virus that makes it transmissible to humans? Where's the outrage? These people should be in jail forever, at least. Mm-hmm. I, uh, if we were able to uncover some kind of truth regarding that, I think that would be the bee's knees. You know, I think I think that would be really, um, that would bring a lot of peace of mind to. Well, you know, in order to uncover truth, you've got to look for it. That's just the problem, though, is nobody trusts anybody else. Any, any committee, any group that comes forward to investigate is going to be scrutinized for bias and liens from every angle and then... Uh, well, there's some inevit- evidence Almost in. inevitably disbanded whenever it turns out to not be a convenient answer. Some of the evidence is at hand. And I don't know if you are uh, aware of it, but there is documentary evidence that the CDC or the whatever, whichever alphabet soup acronym government agency like the CDC, NIH or whatever, uh, was funding gain-of-function research on coronavirus at Wuhan. Mm-mm. Okay, that's, that's not in question, despite the fact that Lord Fauci has, uh, has denied it under, well, I don't know if it was under oath, but he denied it in a congressional hearing, which makes it lying to Congress, um, which others have been prosecuted for, that's rare. Um, this happened. Now, I haven't heard anybody explain why. Why do you want to do gain-of-function research? Why do you want to alter viruses. I presume there's some ostensible reason for that, you know, that that sure. could benefit humanity in some way, but it looks to me like uh, we can't be trusted to do that because apparently, and I believe that whatever that research was would have been illegal to do in the United States and they farmed it out to China so that they could get it done without breaking American law. So that sounds problematic too. Yeah, I I wouldn't be surprised by any of that. I just don't know. I don't right, know. Right, because your news sources aren't going to cover any of this. And in Fox News, the one uh, the one true source of news does, right? Um well, they do. Uh, they are not the one true source. There are a variety of places, but you have to go look for it. If you just turn on your television, I don't. or or go to your um big tech approved places that you go or look at what pops up on your phone. Most of the time I'm actually just working and not looking at the news. Okay. Well, somehow you get a lot of information and uh, I'm here to tell you that you have been gaslighted. A lot of the information that you think, you know, a lot of facts that you think, you know, are not true. So starting with where did it come from? 
initially, it, it happened in Wuhan, and there was an immediate you know, thought, hey, there's a Wuhan Institute of Virology there. Could it have leaked from the lab? Well, the media and the politicians and the, the public health authorities all put their heads together, and they came out and they squashed that like a bug. Oh, no, this is a naturally occurring virus. It came from a Chinese wet market, and, uh, and anybody who says otherwise is a conspiracy theorist. Uh, well, my, my first thought when you said that, uh, correlation, sure. The, the, the virology lab near where the, near Wuhan, where the wet market was supposed to be, whatever. Uh, second thought, why, where do you put your virology lab? Do you put it somewhere where there's a lot of biodiversity and potential for change? Do you, or do you put it somewhere where nothing like that could ever happen? Okay. So you, I, you put I need it, you to. Put it I need the, to see. Put I need it where to the see. Are. Yeah, exactly. Um, animal reservoirs like bats, I assume, would be a a perfect place to do whatever Although, virology research you want to I do. I would. I would say at this point, it's uh, facts, not in evidence. I'm not aware of whether Wuhan is close to where the bats are or not. I don't know. Hmm. Um. But what I do know is that the people that were involved in the U.S.-funded research, one name in particular comes to mind, Peter Daszak, uh, he spearheaded um, one of those all-scientists-agree letters that came out and said it's ridiculous to think that this was uh, human-modified in any way. Now, he had a lot of money involved. There's a lot of financial interest in this thing. And uh, once the once the shit hits the fan, uh, all these people have a lot of uh, uh, a lot of consequences involved too. So it is in their very much in their interest to soft pedal any possible connection with what they were doing and what happened. Now, more recently, again, once Trump leaves office, everything changes a little bit. It becomes a lot more permissible to actually look at what happened. And the, the general consensus seems to be it probably leaked from the lab. Okay. I mean, that's across the board. Surely you've heard that. I've, I've heard about labs in Wuhan. Um, my, much like I've, I feel like most Americans would agree with me on this, my ability to trust experts or what anybody says is all-time low. Oh, absolutely. You tell me that's... anything, I'm, first response, I don't believe you. And that is a more sensible response to what we're told these days than anything else, because they have uh, so undermined their integrity you say for so they. long. Yeah. Who's they? CDC, Rochelle Walensky. I'm telling you, Fauci. I'm telling you, if you if you choose to underfund a government no. entity like that, nothing to if do. If you with choose it. to, what's up? Nothing to do with it. I'm not, I'm not taking a stand one way or the other on the appropriateness of the funding level of these things. But the reason we have, we've had the issues that we've had has not been because they were underfunded. It's, be, it's been because they were politically motivated and or directed. Or, now in some instances, personally motivated. Once your hands are dirty, once Fauci is caught with his hand in the cookie jar, he funded gain-of-function research on the Wuhan bat coronavirus 
in the Wuhan lab, he has everything to lose. Can you uh, can you elaborate on gain of function research? Because as far as I know, that's just a, a buzzword that conservative talk show hosts throw around when they want to say that something bad happened. Okay, well, it is. I, I'm not an expert, but it is uh, it is a a term that appears in federal research grant proposals saying, here's what we want to do. And then we funded it. So what is it? Well, it, I think the name kind of speaks for itself. They're talking about modifying, genetically modifying an existing virus to allow it to do things it didn't do before. One of which is transmit to humans. That may very well have been the intention. And there might be a reason why that is something that's worthwhile because you might be planning to stop future instances of viruses that naturally make the jump from uh, animals sure. to humans. Understanding the uh, understanding the um, the process that process of mutation that a virus goes through to eventually make it to humans. Yeah, I I assume shut that down possibly s- since there's a name for it and that we fund research on it. Saying gain of function research is not a that's not a partisan thing. That's just a thing that exists. And up until this point, you know, until this the last two or three years, um, it's never been in the public consciousness at all. It's just something scientists did. Sure. Now, at this point, yes, it becomes political because the people who did it don't want anyone to associate them with having caused the pandemic. Sure. Now, I understand. They're, they're trying to cover their asses. And... But everything got so twisted in a knot when the when the Democrats decided at some point. Well, it wasn't really a decided. They they used every tool in their toolbox against Trump, everything they possibly could. He helped them, but uh, you come along with a pandemic and uh, it's like manna from heaven. It's like, oh my God, what what better thing could possibly happen for us to? cause him to lose popularity and lose the next election. And they used it, of course. Any political party would. Of course. Um, But once it got so wrapped up in that, it became, you know, facts became something that you would either use or were extremely inconvenient and you would hide. And, uh, or misrepresent or, you know, just cherry pick and use the ones you wanted. And uh, since... Fauci was on the good team. Um, he had a lot more influence on how things went down than uh, than he otherwise would. He committed himself heart and soul to the course that we we are on. Sure, he um, he found himself standing in opposition to Trump's decision making process. Certainly. So anyway, so that's the origin. And again, I say, where's the outrage? Where's the investigation? Why don't people want to know, find, punish, and prevent from ever happening again what probably happened here? I, I, I mean, my, my first explanation, I, think, I don't think anybody trusts any group to go out and investigate and come up with a true answer. No, and you're right. Um, 
the uh, public health authorities and uh, in general and uh, scientists, at least the ones publicly speaking or allowed to publicly speak, have shit the bed. They have damaged the reputation of scientific authorities, then that's not going to be easily undone. They have lied. Let's talk about masks. Okay. Prior to this pandemic, it was well understood and quoted often, published, research, everything, quoted including by Fauci. Not the time when he said, oh, I lied about masks so that people wouldn't run out and buy masks. No, prior to the pandemic, when masks were not scarce, anytime masks came up, the public health authorities would say, no, that is not a useful method to prevent the transmission of airborne viruses. And they were, they were quite... Mm, Confident? What did you say? Confident and even they, they would belittle the idea. You know, they said, don't go to Fossey, is, Fauci. This Fauci. is a, a near quote. Uh, let's not go down the road of all that paranoid stuff like masks. Okay, That was yeah. prior to the pandemic. It was generally understood. And the doctors today don't have any less understanding of the ineffectiveness of masks than they did then, okay? So, in my opinion, they have sacrificed their integrity for some reason, and uh, it's not going to be good for humanity because people trust them less than they did before, and they didn't trust them a whole lot before. So... Uh, now, Trump's gone, and the information is starting to leak out. You know what? Those cloth masks, they really actually don't do very much. They're not quite going to the point where they're worthless, which they are. But they're, they're starting to be willing to admit that they're really not that effective. So all you have to do is look around you. Okay, there are places that lock down and enforce masks and whatever, and they got the same uh, rise and fall of COVID cases as everyone else. Sure. There is no evidence. There's no scientific evidence to There's show. No scale. There's no scale um, evidence that they were effective as a, a means of preventing infection rates. That's what I'm saying. And All right. the studies that they do tout are either terribly flawed, like the Bangladesh study. And even when they use a terribly flawed study, they manage to eke out maybe a 10% reduction in the rate of, of transmissibility, 10% for uh, the cost being to implement a, a societal change that is in itself harmful to humans. Humans need to see other human faces. All of the uh, emotional development of children mm. and the nonverbal communication, you lose a lot of that with masks. That's so true. There, is, there is a cost, and the cost is most severe for children. And that's, that's um, I mean, there's a whole lot of factors that are affecting children that are going through school right now, but that's, that's one of them, certainly. So everybody knew, all the, the scientists knew that masks were worthless. But for some reason, 
they decided to go with them. And I, it, it, certainly it probably, it helped them on their way that Trump was skeptical or dismissive of masks. If he's against it, we're for it. So that was part of it. Part of it is just human psychology. There's a very large number of people that are extremely anxious about safety and health and whatever, and their tendency is to try to do things like wear masks, um, to try to have some something tangible that they can cling to that will make them feel safer and yeah. quell, quell their anxiety. And they decided rather than fight this fight, um, let's just go with it. But the... The, the silliness really kind of peaked when Fauci was interviewed and they, somebody asked him, well, what if you put two masks on? What if you put a second mask over the first mask? And he says, well, if one mask is good, then I've got to say two masks would be better. And then they even, I think they even managed to get to three masks at some point. Uh, very little of that. But I've definitely seen people wearing two. Yeah. I've seen I've seen people wearing two. I think the the one that made at least a little bit of sense to me was when you wear the one for you wear the one for efficacy, whatever the ten percent reduction in COVID catching chance, and then you wear the second one for fashion because the the typical blue mask situation not fun. Okay. Well, anyway, you're not gonna find doctors in their heart of hearts and their secret thoughts. You're not going to find doctors that uh, truly believe that masks actually prevent the spread of, of the disease. Now, that being said, yeah, if you've got somebody next to you that's got Ebola and they're coughing up, you know, lung pieces and whatnot, um, okay, stuff's coming out a lot. And so, yeah, if you can cover your mouth, nose, and even hold your breath until you get away from them, sure. But the practical reality is we're not talking about people that are that sick. The people that are that sick are not walking the streets generally, and they're certainly there's not. Still, there's still stuff coming up with COVID. It's just not I, I as large and visible. The, the point is, if you've got someone who's very sick who's constantly coughing, uh, yeah, you want to try to prevent that from getting out as much as possible. But um, um, the idea that you're just going to mask everyone is ludicrous. And um, if you're in a room with a group of people, like as a teacher, which I am, and you're going to sit there for an hour or in labs, you know, two and a half hours. You're going to be in this room with these people for that amount of time. By the time you're done, you've breathed it, okay? The air is full of it. Yeah. Mask or no mask. It makes absolutely no difference. The other thing is the mask gives some kind of a, not only does it quell the anxiety of people, but it, uh, it gives people a false sense of security. So it's just wrong. Sure, that's, I mean, like, um, that's like cut gloves and knives, right? Sure, the the cut glove will protect your hand, but you, your uh, your knife handling techniques get a little bit careless because you you think you can't destroy, you can't cut through it or anything, and then there you go. That's if you're ever without the cut the glove, then it's infantiliz infantilization of humanity. So the more you infantilize people, the infantilize? less infantilize, 
the, the less competent they're going to be to deal with situations. You're not making them safer, you're making them helpless. Um, so in this case, that's not the case because the masks actually don't help at all. But uh, I heard 10%. Yeah, you heard for the I very ten percent from uh, from from your mouth. I said that the the very flawed studies managed to eke out maybe a ten percent effectiveness. The actually rigorously conducted studies find no statistically significant difference. And then just observationally, we have not seen places that masked um, have significantly better outcomes than places that did not. So in practice, regardless of what's theoretically possible, in practice, they have no effect. And so that is, that's a big piece of this. And now, meanwhile, the reaction, you know, we've had people that were killed for not wearing a mask. We've had people assaulted. When did that happen? Columbia. Columbia in South America. Somebody was outside not wearing their mask, the police killed them. And leading, leading to riots. Okay. I know, of course, you've never heard of it because well, the I mainstream mean, media doesn't cover such things. They covered it in the sense that there were riots. Now, hold on. My my objection was go- wasn't going to be I, that I've never heard of it. I wouldn't be surprised if something like that happened. I believe, I believe you when you say that it happened. Mm-hmm. I don't know anything about Colombia. Okay. I don't know what a, is their what is their government like. I don't know that much about it either. I know there's a lot of poor people. What I will say is there's no <clears throat> sense about there's no sense in us getting outraged about that as applied to how America handled the pandemic. Okay, so I I watched video of this one. Um, a lady was sitting in the grandstands at a football game, probably a high school football game, without a mask, by herself outside. And there was a mask order, and the police came and uh, eventually tased her and uh, arrested her and hauled her off for sitting outside of far away from anyone without a mask. So It's interesting that you bring up that in that specific order. Um, did she resist being asked to leave? Did she resist arrest? I, I don't remember the, the exact sequence of events. She she refused to wear a mask. Okay. She probably refused to leave. I don't know. Did she... Uh, well, we don't need to get into this. I, I don't this know. Isn't... I don't know. The point is, it's ridiculous. So you may think that it's ridiculous to, you know, stop somebody for having expired license plates... And then as a result of behavior after that stop, somebody winds up dead, okay? Because expired yeah. license plates is such a trivial thing, and why should somebody wind up dead? Okay, well, if that applies there, then it certainly applies to somebody sitting outside and alone without a mask. This is this is why I didn't really want to go down this rabbit hole too much, because I I wonder... If this is a if this is a moment of convenience, if this is, I never would have made this argument unless it was if unless it was useful for whatever purpose I had, but now that it is, I wanna I want to co-opt the language that the I mean ostensibly my opponent uses, just for this case. Yeah, I, I see what you're saying. Um, I think 
we have to just, we have to make intelligent laws and and have our laws be things that we think are actually important. I also I also have heard from you a bit of wisdom that was the best way to get rid of a bad law is to enforce it absolutely. Uh, yes, that's a to the best way to get rid of a bad law is to enforce it strictly. That is an Abraham Lincoln quote. Mm-hmm. So yeah. By all means, go out and shoot all the people not wearing masks so we can get rid of this that mask mandate sooner. That didn't happen. Nobody's... I, I, didn't, I didn't say it happened. I'm saying that would, that would speed the end of the masks. It probably also speed the end of the police. I don't know. The, uh, so, specifically with this instance, yeah, it's silly that a woman got tased because she wasn't wearing a mask. Absolutely. There's mm-hmm. there's supposed to be a specific process. There's supposed to be a specific level of um, level of force that you're able to use for different things. Not wearing a mask is, uh, especially after you've been asked, is merely annoying, right? That's right. That's okay, ma'am. Please put on a mask. No, I won't do it. Okay, well then we're gonna ask you to leave. No, I won't leave. Okay, well then we're going to escort you out of the building. Yeah, I get all that. It's not, I'm not all wrapped up in that. I'm just saying, this is the kind of thing. You go back to the uh, psychological experiment. Um, if the people in the white coats tell you to do something, you do it. What's wrong with the Germans? You remember this one? What's wrong with the what? With the Germans. After World War II... The, the big question in social science circles, or one of them, was what is wrong with the German people that they allowed the atrocities that happened there to happen? It's a natural, they, it's a natural human response is what they found, right? After the, the, shock, the shock experiment and whatnot? That's the one I'm talking about. Yeah. If the people in the white coats tell you to do something, you do it. They kept applying greater and greater electric shocks to someone who ostensibly had the wrong answer to some question because they were directed to, even when it appeared to be killing them. The the so. response the response there, of course, the the lesson that we learn from that is knowing that people will naturally tend to do whatever they're told. Um, mm-hmm. We need to develop our critical thinking skills, right? Mm-hmm. Not blindly distrust authority figures because when authority figures are actually giving you solid advice it is it that it is in your best interest to follow you will you will run into a a large amount of problems if you actively choose not to do what they're telling you to do just because they told you to do it right i i don't disagree that's not the point the point is that um human beings obey authority and when authority goes wild with stupid things that they want to do that's where how we wind up where we are and you think masks are wildly stupid a wildly yes. stupid thing to do i you know this not, well, I, I do uh, but we're we're doing a podcast and not everybody knows every conversation we've ever had i uh i had a job teaching at a university where i just had been promoted and uh, they had unmasked, so I, I did my part. You know, I wore my mask early on when I didn't believe in it, but I played the game. And so we were mask-free, and everything was fine because we had the vaccine. And then they decided to mask again, and I said no. 
Now, I have a certain amount of anxiety that goes along with wearing a mask because I feel like I am uh, participating in a charade. And I feel a certain amount of responsibility as a teacher not to represent to my students something that I think is absolutely stupid. I'm not going to participate in something like wearing a mask that I think is completely worthless. And I think that the doctors, the medical authorities, they know it too. This is all a charade. It's a, it's a Dumbo feather. And I'm not going to do it. And so I told them, and I lost my job. So, right. There's a certain amount of respect that goes to, uh, with standing up for what you believe in. Sure. That's fine. So anyway, now let's advance. We've got the pandemic. We hear about it in other countries. It's starting to come here. And we've got, was it 15 days to slow the spread? Flatten the curve? What, when was this? The like you're saying right Early at the on. beginning, yeah. New Back York in like City. February. Okay. So at that point, we know very little about the virus. And I'm gonna say, yeah, plausible. It is not unreasonable given the unknown nature of the virus. We don't know who it kills. We don't know a whole lot about how it kills, and we don't know much about how to treat it. So, um, at that point, when it looks like the emergency rooms and the ICUs are filling up, they decided, let's, let's lock down. Let's, let's just keep apart from each other for a little bit and try not to allow our And you agree, you agree to, at to the be, time that seemed like a sensible solution? Sure. Why not? Nobody wants the, the emergency rooms and the ICUs to be Flooded overwhelmed. With people, yeah. Yeah, that's not a thing that that's desirable clearly so we did that and um the it the the disaster never happened they had well plenty of extra resources available in new york they had a hospital ship that was barely used they had a i don't know whether it was madison square garden or somewhere they'd set up as a kind of a field hospital and it was barely used if at all and um so we dodged it it didn't it didn't happen. And then going forward, we learned more and more about here's what to do and here's what not to do. Early on, they made a mistake. They in, in, uh, uh, put people on ventilators that didn't need to be on ventilators. They knew this, but uh, they thought it'd be easier to care for them if they were on ventilators. And what they found out was that was a bad decision. People it died. your odds of survival. People died that wouldn't have died because they were put on ventilators when they didn't need to be. Okay. Sure. Lesson learned. Um, now, it, it was becoming increasingly apparent that there was a very specific group of people who were at high risk for, from COVID-19. It was the elderly, and it was people with not one, two, three, but several or possibly four or more comorbidities. So obesity, diabetes, high blood pressure, obviously immunocompromised people, various things. So in the midst of this, it was this was known at the time, uh, governors of a couple of states took COVID-positive people who were recovering and put them back in nursing homes. Now that didn't make any sense at the moment it happened. 
So yeah. I don't know. Did they, I don't they, know I mean, what they, they were. They didn't thinking. put them specifically back, but didn't prevent them from going back to whatever jobs well, they had. Or what the, the nursing? No, no. We're talking about the. Well, I guess it could be workers, but I, no, I think we're mostly we're not talking the elderly. About the workers. We're talking about the elderly. Okay. We're talking about the patients. They were uh, the nursing homes were saying, "No, we will not let you in while you have this illness," which was absolutely appropriate. So presumably in the panic over over overwhelmed hospitals, they said, we got to get these people who are recovering out of here as soon as possible. And they forced the nursing homes to take them back. That cost literally tens of thousands of lives. Yeah. So hysteria. I mean, that's this is the beginning of the hysteria. This is what it looks like. People making panic decisions that are on their face enormously stupid what okay i i do i do believe that a, a lot of the problems that we experienced with uh covid19 and the, the policies the decision making the you know the timeline for everything that had to happen um we were just we've set up our society very specifically to not be good at dealing with this where where do you think we put should have put all the old folks that were getting out of the hospital that were going back to the nursing homes, where should we, where should we have put them? Well, they could have put them in Madison square garden or wherever that field hospital was that they never used, or the hospital ship comfort that was sitting in the Harbor with hardly anybody in it. So I don't have a specific plan because I'm not the governor of New York. Sure. But, uh, there were pretty much anywhere but where they put them would have been better. Uh, they could have kept them wherever they were in the hospital until they were no longer contagious to I the do. best of their knowledge. I, I feel like, I don't know for sure, but I feel like the, the default thought process was, okay, they're done being sick, put them back where they go, which is locked away in a nursing home where we don't have to look at and then, them. And so then the nursing home said to you as governor, uh, please, no, don't do that. We have a lot of people who are highly vulnerable here, and we don't want to accept these people back until they are healthy. And then they, as politicians, said, look, we have a whole lot of people out there that want things to go to be back to normal. They want to they wanna not be dealing with a, a crisis where they got their grandma locked up in a hospital somewhere, so I'm going to put them back in the nursing home where they belong. That's where they go. That's where those pieces fit. Yeah, right. I don't... Whatever. It was a horrible decision. Yeah. Now, mean, meanwhile, other states with uh, like Florida, with a higher percentage of elderly population, did not do that. So it was possible what, to what not did, do that. What did they do? I don't know. They did not force them back into the nursing homes. Presumably, <laughs> they kept them in the hospital. I don't know. I, it'd be... It'd be... I guess good to figure out what their specific response was and Okay. I don't know. I don't care. Doesn't matter. The point is you don't put sick people in a nursing home, particularly with an illness that we had become aware was uh, especially a problem. I agree with you. I agree with okay. you. I think we're say, just you, I think we're I don't just think naturally... this is a, I don't think this is a an area that you wanna try to defend what they did. I'm not defending what they did. I think that okay. we've I, what I'm trying to say is that we've set up our society in a very specific way. What do we do with old people? We stick them in nursing homes. What do we do with children? We put them in school so that both parents can go work. You know, okay. I, it's uh, I I think that 
um, public health officials at the at the time were dealing with the very very difficult problem of nobody trusts doctors because doctors are the people who charge you thousands of dollars just to look at you, tell you nothing's nothing's wrong, and then send you back on your way. That's what doctors are for, you know. Okay. I think I think I we're I, I think don't public see the relevance of that. I'm I'm what I'm trying to say is I think public public uh public health officials were stuck in a situation where anything anything that they said would have met been met with huge resistance and whatever information they had coming in they you know they were doing their best with it well and you've 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 stumbled onto a point here that's extremely important you're right whatever they said was going to be met with huge resistance so my recommendation to them would be why don't you say what is true instead of what you kind of fudging what you say based on what you perceive the reaction of people to be. So masks are a result of uh, saying, well, I know what's true, but there'd be a lot of resistance if I, this is a, this is a snowball that's rolling down a mountain. I'm not going to get in front of it. Yeah. Masks are good. That's kind of what happened. That's what happens. So, so the big, let's go back to the, hold on um, a second. Hold on a second. So your, your, your point is that even if we know that absolutely nobody is going to do it, we should tell them what is, what is actually the best bit of advice and then watch them not take it and then say, I told you so. Well, I don't know if it's necessary to say, I told you so, but yeah, I want my scientists to speak the truth. That's there's an interesting bit of nuance there, because there's um, there's that route. There's the I was right or tell you the tell you the right thing that I know you're not gonna do, and then there's the I'm here to save lives, and I think I will save a lot more lives right now by implementing this strategy that I know some people at least will follow, versus this strategy that I know would work but absolutely nobody's going to do it. What what strategy is it you're talking about that nobody's going to do? I, <laughs> any number of things. We could have we could have all stayed we could have all stayed in lockdown and waited until everybody who was sick was all the way through it. We well, could have we that... could have stopped everything for a month. That was the mostly the thinking of what we did. I mean, they tried that basically. We didn't. We didn't get that far, and nobody. Nobody actually. No, or we didn't. Not enough. Not enough people actually did that, and so it just kept going. It it hasn't worked anywhere. No matter where the harshest lockdowns in the world have not prevented the rise and fall of COVID cases. That's not. You don't. You quarantine or lock down if you've got an illness that's going to burn out. Something that, like Ebola, that kills so quickly that it runs out of people to kill. That works. You know, yeah, you you put up a fence around that town until whoever's going to die dies, right? Right. This is not that. You Once the cat's out of the bag, once this thing is sweeping the globe, locking down until everybody's recovered is no longer an option. Plus, we know that it's uh, it's carried by animals. 
Your cat gets it. The, the animals at the zoo get it. This is never going away. And so the, the whole idea, you quarantine people who are sick, right? There's measles at that house. Don't go there, right? Sure. We've, we've tried to quarantine everyone, which is and we, ridiculous. And, we, and we, we didn't do it for, we didn't even do it for the incubation period, did we? From what I, I from what I, I understood, think we, we only locked down for we only actually locked down for two weeks. It, I, I mean, and that that was a hard timeline to keep track of too, because like I said before, uh, my life didn't change at all. I just kept bouncing back and forth between work and home anyway. I understand. Well, here's the thing: I don't think the lockdown saved anybody. I think it. I think it slowed down. This this is a point that I wanted to make earlier when you said that. Um, we locked down and that seemed like a good idea and the hospitals never got overrun. The, um, Mm -hmm. the problem with the problem with solid public health advice, the problem with disaster, uh, aversion policies is that if they work, it looks like they didn't do anything. It looks like nothing happened. It looks like nothing was going to happen. Right. That was the only time in the United States where that was even possibly necessary we we did there was a lot of unknowns then we didn't know what was going to happen and they were afraid that the hospitals emergency rooms and icus would be overrun so they they we did this 15 days to flatten the curve thing but uh we lost sight somewhere because it was so useful to them that uh the the purpose for that we haven't had our our medical system overwhelmed or threatened to be overwhelmed at any other time there and, may have been and, some and you don't you know, think that you don't you can think have that a hospital down. fill up you know so sometimes in even in flu season the hospitals will fill up and they have to shuffle patients off somewhere else okay no big deal but uh that one we thought there was a risk of general collapse okay sure so okay i'm with you let's do that but everything since then absolute lunacy and the cost they they don't talk about the cost all they talk about is the is the panic panic porn of covid-19 the overdoses and the suicides and the uh, psychological damage that's being done especially to children is much worse than what it would have been if we had done nothing Sweden basically did nothing. They're the ones that came out better than anyone out of this. They got herd immunity quicker than anyone else. They went about their lives. They didn't have the economic disruption, the psychological damage. They did it. That's fine. Sweden is a very different country from the United States. Okay. They've got well, their they've got their set up their society set up completely different, and they've got way less people than we do, and not okay. Not nearly yeah. The as United many States has on more, top of each other. The United States has more obese people per capita probably than anyone else, and that's a that's, that's a risk one factor. that's one thing. That's one thing that's different. We also have more elderly people than a lot of other countries. So when you're looking at results, basically the result is. The United States hasn't done better or worse than anyone else. If you control for obesity and age, 
BC and age. Now, what they'll do is they'll highlight at any given moment you have these these uh, spikes in uh, in cases. It's seasonal, right? Whenever people cluster indoors, so in the cold places in the winter and in the hot places in the summer, people spend a lot more time indoors, and you have a lot more cases. Okay, that happens. Sure. It's seasonal. It happens in every state. But what the news media does is at any time the cases are down in New York, they, they take a victory lap. Look, what we've done is saved, saved us all. And every time the cases spike in Florida, they, they go on and point fingers and say, look, Florida is so evil, they won't do all these mandates that we want them to do. And, um, and look at their cases. Right. Well, of course, everything everything is politicized one way or the okay. other. Okay. Well, just I'm just saying that's what people have been watching. That's a piece of it. So now do, we get to. The... I do. I do think that uh, if you were claiming earlier that the United States should have done nothing at all, that would have ended up with us uh, having our hospital system overrun. Mm, I'm not so sure. Um, early on, when we didn't know anything, right? I, yeah. I, like I said, I already said that 15-day deal, I was fine with that, okay? But we would have been better off if we had done nothing since. I don't know if that's true. I, I mean, I, nobody does, really. Anybody right. who claims, claims that they know is arrogant, I think. But Right, and I'm not, I'm not claiming to know. That's my opinion. I think we probably, uh, overall, we would have been better off doing nothing. But if we had if we had total population saturation of COVID, if all eight hundred eighty eight thousand Americans had died at the same time or had been hospitalized at the same time, that would have been too much. Yeah, but see, there's a difference between what the what the government forces you to do and what people actually do. You can advise people and say, "Hey, there's a you know there's a heavy load right now. We recommend that you avoid contact with other humans as much as possible." Boom, we do it. You know that. You know there are times when we went to visit your grandmother and we didn't go in the house. We didn't approach her. Um, that's yep. what people do. We. It's not a. It, the government isn't a. And it's not an either or. They either make you do it or you absolutely. You know, make you stay away or you absolutely congregate. That's not the choice. The choice is letting people make their own decisions. If you're particularly vulnerable and you wish to isolate yourself wisely then you are free to do that. There's a there's a there's a very good point that you're making here that I don't think a lot of people will extend. They won't extend this um courtesy to the general public that um in times of disaster the public doesn't panic as much as government officials especially think that they're going to. They don't they don't just turn into a a, a raging mob that could, you know, destroy everything they don't um they don't just automatically start running around like chickens with their heads cut off um there's a there's a concept i'm trying to remember where i came across this it was probably i think it was in a description of what happened during hurricane katrina the the government assumes that everyone is going to panic and so they start enforcing a uh martial law in some cases or stricter uh stricter rules whatever whatever um like 
they they try to control people. They try to say this is what you should do, this is what you can and can't do, and uh, we're going to absolutely go come over and beat you on the head with a stick if you don't follow our instructions. Right. And that usually causes more problems than if they just gave people the best advice and said this is what we'd like you to do. Well, the missing piece in in a lot of things is is judgment, human judgment. So if I'm a police officer and I'm I'm ordered to enforce a law about wearing masks and someone's sitting by themselves and I have a choice, how how far do I want to take this? Is it just letter of the law? I'm gonna I'm gonna tase you, uh, or do I apply some judgment and say, yeah, screw it. Um, and same thing in your Katrina situation. If I'm going around, there's a law, a curfew, or whatever. Well, you know what? I might uh, I might spend some time finding out why people are out doing what they're doing, and um, and make a judgment call based on that. However, the lawyers uh, have made the situation such that if any government agency does use any judgment, then uh, they're liable. You know, basically says you do not you unevenly enforce this law, and mm. um, and so that's the trick bag that we're in. Everybody is is affected by that. The lawyers have made it in such that if you have a policy, you need to have a policy that spells out every possible situation, and then you have to follow the policy exactly. And that is a defense in court. Uh, in the event. You're trying to tell me that lawyers are evil. I'm there. <laughs> I am right there. Well, the lawyers, the judges, and legislatures, I mean, they're all lawyers, right? Uh, for the most part. And so yeah. that is the kind of policy when a five-year-old boy kisses a five-year-old girl, um, he is then suspended from school for sexual whatever um, because it's a zero-tolerance policy, Right. When a five-year-old kid makes a uh, Lego gun, which I think you're familiar with, um, they have to be, you know, whatever, they have to apply the policy. They have to suspend them or counsel them or they have to get in big trouble because they have a zero-tolerance policy towards gun shapes. <laughs> right so, angles. I, right, I seem to right remember angles. I got in trouble. I got in trouble for making a right angle with a... With a, some Legos and going pew pew. <laughs> right. So that's the, the, anyway, that's another conversation. So now let's move on to the vaccine. And we're, we're pretty. We're, we're running up on the end here. We're going to have to make, we're going to have to do a second round of this, I'm thinking. Okay. Well, okay. Here's your homework. All right. Here's the book. Okay. Pandemia. The author, Alex Berenson. And um, basically my view of point is pretty well represented by that. Pandemia. Pandemia. All right. By Alex Berenson. Actually, I have it on Kindle, so I think we could probably figure out how to share it with you, and uh, I assume that's legal. If I own a book on Kindle, can I legally share it with my son? Uh, I think so. That's a, that's a very good question. I'm sure we can figure that well, out. Well, anyway, we'll find out before we actually do it to make sure that we're not breaking the law but um but yeah that uh we haven't even gotten to vaccine era yet and we've spent an hour right yeah yeah so uh anyway there you go i (laughs) my, my parting my parting thought would be 
Um, this environment, this restrictive environment is, um, is high clover for the authoritarians. There are certain people that just like to tell other people what to do and to feel morally superior and to signal their virtue by displaying something visible like a mask. And uh, this is a wonderful time for them and they're not going to give it up easily. So um, my contention is this is going to go on indefinitely unless people say no. Start pushing back. Start got to push back. Um, mm. Right now, because I won't wear a mask, I can't fly on an airplane. I can't go to the doctor because the major medical corporations, you know, the, the little doctor's office all by itself, that's, that's pretty uncommon now. Mostly they work in buildings owned by hospitals, and the hospitals have a policy which uh, requires masks, even though if you actually got the true thoughts of the doctors in, the, in that building, they would probably tell you masks are worthless. Uh, still, they enforce the policy. My own doctor, former doctor, wrote me an exemption for masks due to anxiety. And then when I went to visit that doctor... He would not see me without a mask. So I don't have a doctor. Yeah. I, so just, and then I guess I'll leave off with my, uh, my concern, my one, my one thing that I think I've been trying to, um, put forward in terms of what I believe here. I think it's troubling that most, that the objections that you've raised, to public health decisions were mostly in in terms of conversations about freedom and about authoritarianism and not in terms of public health. I I know you you don't be, you don't believe that the masks work or anything, but there's little room in the conversation that we're having for a public health authority to exist and to be trusted. Well, the thing that... You see that, what I'm saying? The, sure, I see what you're saying. Um, the thing that offends me the most about all of this is how the, the public health authorities have assassinated their integrity in the eyes of the people. They, by going out and willfully lying to the people time after time over a period of years now, uh, public confidence is it's not going to be that easy to get back. So this is not about reasoned scientists detached, unaffected by politics. This is about scientists who are very much influenced by politics and public opinion that are not actually saying what the science says. They are corrupting it. They are uh, abusing it. And the effect is going to be a bad one in the future. At some point in the future... There's going to come a time, and this is not the first instance of this happening, but there's going to come a time when something is really serious and something very specific needs to be done to deal with it, and nobody is going to believe them. I'm sure you are familiar with the story of the boy who cried wolf. I am. So, well, that's happened in another arena. Uh, the boy who cried wolf is absolutely on target for racism 
the recent, that's a that's an entirely different term it is, than what we're discussing. But I'm saying today. That, that we have made the word racism meaningless because of the misuse. It it can't have meaning because it has so many meanings. It has so whatever. So the point is the the, the scientists and the university where I worked is appalling. I said, uh, you know, have you read the papers? And they said, well, the CDC says. It's like, oh, well, then end of discussion. We're not scientists with the ability to think and reason and read scientific papers and evaluate their conclusions. Uh, we'll just outsource our thinking to someone else. Now, the fact that the someone Hold else... Hold on now. Hold on now. Yeah. The, the people that you're talking about aren't pandemic researchers, are um, they? I don't know specifically what they do, but they do have public health professors. Okay. Who you would think might bother to read the the literature and evaluate the claims and counterclaims regarding masks. And you would think that they would have known prior to this pandemic that masks were not a valid public health measure for the general population. You just don't put masks on people and try to prevent airborne viruses from getting from here to there. Never have. I would have said never will, but I was wrong. Mm. They, didn't, I, I think... they didn't bother to think about it. They went with what the, the people in the white coats told them to think, which comes back to our, what's wrong with the Germans? Nothing. Sure. Same thing that's wrong with every other human being, every other group of human beings. Sure. I, w what I'm trying to get at here is, can we have experts? Can we have people who, with the knowledge that they are given, give the best professional advice? They've, they've researched this more than any other person. Can we believe that they know better than someone who claims to be a, a rational thinker? Can they know? Can they know better about a pandemic response than somebody who just, you know, turns on Fox News and opens a a book? I I hope we can again someday, when we have people that actually have some credibility and are and not, not... Inf influenced by the politics and influenced by the mob. Yeah, I would hope so, but we do not have I... them right now. And I'm and I'm gonna say also we're not going to get there by having a president that just sh cuts budgets to these institutions and just tells them that they're idiots whenever they do whenever they do or say something that doesn't fit with whatever he's trying to do. Also, well, you know what? The the public health people were not elected president of the United States. So, the idea that we're going to be ruled by the experts, that's been a thought in the past and it's been tried. But it is not what we want. The expert in a particular field uh, has no, not necessarily any expertise in other fields. And so they focus exclusively on their thing. Say, well, you know what? We're going to lower the speed limit to 15 miles an hour. You know, some expert regarding auto fatalities. And then we would virtually eliminate auto fatalities. But there are other things to think about. When we think about locking down the United States, and we haven't talked about schools yet either, and uh, closing schools and putting them on virtual learning, there are costs for all of those things. And every dollar that uh, you cost the economy, you increase the poverty of someone, 
and you increase the likelihood of a whole lot of other bad things happening, not to mention the psychological effects of isolation. So just because you may know something a little more about uh, diseases than other people doesn't mean you know more about the whole world than other people. And so the idea that you just hand the reins, oh, we have a pandemic, I'm just going to hand the reins over to the public health experts, even if they were the best public health experts you could possibly have, that's not a good idea because they're narrowly focused. I want the person that I elected to make the decisions and they, they receive the advice of, you know, it's like wars, right? We don't allow the generals to be in charge just because we're fighting right. a war. They know more about wars. Yes. We listen to their if we advice. Did, we would have, if we did, we would have nuked Cuba and been nuked by the USSR and all yeah, that. Who did, God only knows what all the different advice has been given to presidents from the military over the years. Um, so that's, that's why the elected representatives of the people of whatever level, um, there's importance in that. Elections are important. Who you put there is important. I don't, and uh, no, no, they're the to, ones hold that on, make the hold calls. On. To what extent? To what extent during the course of the pandemic were the CDC making decisions? Were the presidents at any uh, during even, any given year were they not acting or choosing specifically not to act on the advice of the CDC? It's complicated. Um, the CDC has issued statements saying one thing. And then a couple of days later, after getting a spanking from the politicians, they issue a statement saying something else. That happens under Biden. Um, the uh, the Trump people, um, you know, I I can't. Uh, I'm not here to tell you that uh, that he did a perfect job or even a good job with what he did. Clearly, making himself the face of these press conferences every day, I thought was a huge mistake. When he put Pence in charge, he should have let Pence be in charge and just go away. But um, personnel is policy, and he had personnel there that were uh, throughout the federal government that were not acting in the best interests of his administration or the American people. They had a sole purpose, a lot of them, uh, in undermining his presidency and they were largely successful. So, and he helped him. I, I also don't think anyone would accuse him of being a smart man either. Oh, he's smart, but not wise. Put it that way. Um, so I don't think there's any doubt that he's smart. That's not the, that's not Crafty, the issue. We'll say, um, just intelligence is not the same thing as uh, practical. It's not the same thing as wise. Um, there's a lot of differences. So that's a again, that's another conversation. But uh, yeah, the yeah. the pandemic response team was uh, at the beginning of this thing was dealing with a lot of unknowns, and so. We didn't know what kind of disease this was going to be, and it became apparent. But at some point, the the uh, the giant snowball uh, became unstoppable. The hysteria. From from what I understand, Trump fired the entire pandemic response team before this was all even an issue, I, and then I don't know. 
And then when things started to look like they were going to be grim pretty quick, then they put together whatever whatever handful of nerds they could from the CDC. Okay. I don't know anything about that. But uh, I would say whoever he wound up with, it was very unfortunate for the most part. Okay. We can, we can agree with that. Um, but whether it's, whether it's because they're um, quote-unquote experts that have a political agenda that supersedes their um, public health agenda or because they were just a, a group of unprepared individuals that were making the best decisions that they could with the information that they had at the time and giving out the best advice that they could despite constant pushback that's that's where the argument lies i think between the left and the right i don't i don't think this is a left right issue i think in this yeah the battle lines are drawn but they could easily have been the other way if trump was a big lockdown fanatic the left would have been all about freedom so perhaps and and i'd be all about freedom also because that's i don't swing with the and then there's a there's there's one one uh, TikToker I think that I was listening to that just just like had a thought experiment that they wanted to go through. They were like Trump made a gigantic mistake by being anti-pandemic response. He could have been he could have been like elected king forever if he had if he had been the lockdown guy, and it had worked. Um, no, I don't think so. I think that. Uh... If now, if he was really playing a deep game, and and he thought masks were stupid, then he should have been all about masks and turned the liberals into no masks. But of course, that would have cost him with his own supporters who were not beyond common sense and and would have said, "What masks? What are you talking about?" I don't know. It is remains that, to be seen. Is that the case, or or would they have or would they have had like? the most patriotic look in red, white, and blue covered in Eagles masks and like proudly, That's, proudly touted them around. I don't know. I wouldn't have, but, uh, I don't, I don't know. There's, there's no way to know now, but the one way to yeah. guarantee that the left would be all masks, all lockdowns all the time was to be the opposite of that. And so here we are. But again, this is a this is a conversation that lies exclusively in political theater and not in public health discussions and what's best for the American people. Yeah, well, and that's where and it's, that's where I need my my scientists to actually uh, stick with the science and not move into advocacy. Scientists should not have an, a a political position on things. They should say, "Here are the." data as we know them then we need to do something to separate our scientists from the political sphere they need to be people that are not fireable by the president they need to be people that are not um having their budget Uh, most scientists don't work for the government so sure cdc absolutely what we need is is uh well this is another conversation too but right now okay yeah we're if, running if, a little long if you want to study uh climatology or something and you inconveniently have something that suggests something other than the official narrative you are not getting funded so that is the that's another problem for the future i 
to to push back on that you also meet a lot of resistance when you uh come up across something that's not convenient for the oil barons well yeah i mean it's a it's a game you know it's a it's a power game and so very possibly anyway this has been have you met john he's my dad and i have been matt and, I've and that been... has been john oh yeah john my dad. all right have a good one